listening to The Jackie Daly Show. You can find me online at JackieDaily.com, on Facebook, and on the X at Jackie Daily Host. Hey, listen, my voice is recovering. Would you believe that last month I was diagnosed with influenza A and influenza B at the same time at the ER, and they didn't even tell me. They didn't even tell me. The only reason I know that I tested positive is I went to see my cardiologist following up for the chest pain, and he requested the records, and it said right there I tested positive for both flus. That's why I've been sick. That's what's been wrong. I'm, I'm outraged. I wasn't told. So, um, I'm still recovering from all of that. Still have chest pain, but I will not let that stop me uh, from being here at the studio because I'm not contagious at this point. Sorry to y'all for two weeks ago when I came in here spreading like a Petri dish and didn't know anything about it. Um, I kept working. I didn't stop, even though I was exhausted and fatigued. But uh, you know what? I have so much fun here. I just I can't pass up seeing Jeff Fisher from Chewing the Fat. He's always here, hanging out. <clears throat> anyway, listen... I actually have a very serious conversation uh, topic, and I'm I'm inspired by um, Elon Musk, who's not my favorite person, by the way. Uh, I'm sure I'm not his favorite person. If he he knows anything about my content, uh, what, I've called him the biggest welfare recipient in American history. He probably didn't like that. Uh, I regularly show the downside of his products, things like electric vehicles, battery storage, solar panels, whatever. Putting all that aside, I have to say, Mr. Musk has been somewhat heroic in recent days. I, I don't know him. He's a fellow Texan now. I can't read his mind uh, or his heart at all. But you saw what happened recently. Uh, these financiers said they're going to cut out all their ads from the X. He told them to go F themselves. And in case they didn't hear it the first time, He told him again. And let me share with you that this is not something confined to the ex. And dare I point out, Mr. Musk is kind of the poster child for the green transition that's not happening. I'll get to that at a different segment. But do you notice how the fact that he's devoted his life to his critics' religion of environmentalism, like militant fringe environmentalism, didn't cut any ice with them whatsoever. They couldn't give a flying rat's behind about everything he's ever done and said that is advancing the ball for their agenda. They don't care. What is required is 100% submission and agreement. And, and their opinions change by the day, but you had better anticipate them and affirm them. That is what they're after, right? And so um, it's not just the X. It's many other conservative media outlets. And, and I've heard nothing about the blaze, by the way. So I'm not talking about us. This is not about us. I'm not involved in governance at this company. Uh, but I'm telling you that I've heard from at least two other uh, conservative companies that they know they are under concerted attack from financiers who want to cancel them, right? Who want to cancel them. And 
we all know what cancel culture is. It's on TV every day. But I think that we don't appreciate how dangerous this is. People don't understand how dangerous this is and what it leads to. Let me tell you, I've been listening to two audiobooks at night. Uh, I always listen to audiobooks to fall asleep. And one of them is The Gathering Storm by Winston Churchill, which is excellent. It's, it's, It's a work of art is what it is. And, you know, he tells you, as a person who lived and acted in that moment, what was the cause of the Second World War? And I don't agree with some of what he says, by the way. He, he actually makes him rather, I think, strong anti-democratic statements. He thinks democracy is a problem that led to the Second World War which I don't want to speak for him, and I'm, I'm not all the way through the book yet, uh, but that was a, a bit shocking to me. He believes that elites should run the world and that things were more peaceful and civilized when they did. Okay, so I'm going to hear him out and listen to the book, which is a true delight to listen to. I'm also, at the same time, listening to a book called The Rise and Fall of Adolf Hitler by a, an American journalist who was stationed in Berlin at the time. Now, I don't enjoy that book as much. The journalist is constantly name-calling Hitler, which I think is totally unnecessary, when all you got to do is work off the facts. The facts are enough to indict the guy. He kind of sounds like an eighth-grade girl name-calling and calling him uneducated and a bumbling idiot. No, a guy who was a laborer living in poverty, but who somehow took over a political party, Germany, and half of Europe and almost all of Europe, had something figured out. We need to care about what that something was and be concerned that people are doing it today. In this country, I'm shocked, I'm chilled by the similarities when I learn about step by step how the German regime did it, how, how they describe it themselves in their own words, and then hearing Churchill describe it in his words from the other side. These are two great books to read side by side. I'm going to literally play for you just one little segment okay of the narration of the churchill book i believe this is like far less than a minute so it's not a lot but please just listen for a moment to what churchill had to say about the causes of the second world war deliberate extermination of whole populations was contemplated and pursued by both germany and russia in the eastern war The hideous process of bombarding open cities from the air, once started by the Germans, was repaid 20-fold by the ever-mounting power of the Allies and found its culmination in the use of the atomic bombs which obliterated Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It is my purpose, as one who lived and acted in these days, to show how easily the tragedy of the Second World War could have been prevented how the malice of the wicked was reinforced by the weakness of the virtuous, how the structure and habits of democratic states, unless they are welded into larger organisms, lack those elements of persistence and conviction which can alone give security to humble masses, 
how, even in matters of self-preservation, no policy is pursued for even 10 or 15 years at a time. We shall see how the counsels of prudence and restraint may become the prime agents of mortal danger, how the middle course, adopted from desires for safety and a quiet life, may be found to lead direct to the bullseye of disaster. Okay, I wanted you to hear that last part. How the desire for safety, the middle course, the desire to live a quiet life, prudence and restraint brought to bear against aggression is what leads to destruction. A lot of people are not speaking up right now. A lot of people don't want to be canceled. They don't want their profits to go down. They don't want to be uninvited to the cocktail parties in Georgetown, famously. They are concerned that they might get put on some list. Um, you know, there are so many great Churchill quotes, uh, and I should pull up some others for you that explain, you know, you can fight right now or later, and later is going to be a much harder fight. And that's what he's saying in this book. And he tells you time and time again the opportunities that people had to stop Hitler when they could have. There are so many people who failed. And many of those people weren't just everyday citizens who should have done or said something. These were people who were elected and who had duties, duties to step up and do something, but instead chose the quiet and safe course. Please do not be that person. All of you have power within your spheres of influence. It might just be your family, but that's a really big deal. That's a really big deal. If you can influence, you know, three, four people, um, it matters. So please, now is a time for speaking up, not a time for piping down. All right, going to break. You're listening to The Jackie Daly Show. You're listening to The Jackie Daly Show. Find me online at JackieDaly.com. Jackie, no E, daily like every day. And on the X at Jackie Daily Host. Subscribe for free just about anywhere that quality podcasts are found. Okay, I've learned from my friends over at CFACT, CFACT, the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, that they have a team on the ground in Dubai at the UN Climate Summit. Yes, the 28th, in their words, where democracy goes to die. Uh, This is the massive climate summit with 70,000 attendees. That's about double what they had last time in Egypt. Like that's practically the size of AT&T Stadium, the home of the Dallas Cowboys. That's how many people are attending. And uh, ironically, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe not, in the capital of one of the most prolific fossil fuel producers on Earth. I think we need to ask ourselves, why are they so excited about hosting a climate summit? Uh, I'll tell you the answers soon. But first, I have Dr. Bonner Cohen with me from CFACT. And he's been on the show before, so you might remember him. Uh, He is an analyst and adjunct scholar with CFACT and CEI, the Competitive Enterprise Institute. You've seen his work in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Investors Business Daily. National Review, we'll forgive him for that for now. I'll give him a pass for a second. Um, otherwise, Fox News, CNN, 
BBC and the Jackie Daly Show. So, Dr. Cohen, welcome back. Well, thank you very much for having me. Good to have you here. So, I know that your team has literally been fully credentialed and present on the ground in Dubai at this conference. Uh, and you're going to give us um, a different view of what's going on there from maybe what the BBC or CNN might. Um, so what is your update? What have y'all been learning? The, uh, the focus of all of the previous COP, and COP stands for Conference of the Parties, and this is a UN-sponsored event. The focus in the past has always been to try to get industrialized countries to reduce their man-made emissions of greenhouse gases, uh, which these people say, in the absence of any uh, compelling evidence whatsoever, uh, are responsible for a dangerous warming of the planet. So what the governments have always done is they've made commitments to reduce their emissions uh, by a certain amount by a date certain. And practically none of these countries has lived up to their commitments or come anywhere close to doing so. So this year, expect to see that again. But the focus will be elsewhere. And the focus will be on, quite frankly, what uh, the uh, whole climate agenda is all about. And by the way, it's not the climate. Uh, it is about money and, related to money, power. And they have come up with a new fund this year, uh, which they call the harm and, excuse me, the loss and damage fund. Now, the loss and damage here refers to all the climate-related uh, things that have been happening around the world, uh, things such as floods, droughts, uh, higher temperatures, lower temperatures, you name it, uh, which are put at the feet of industrialized countries for having the temerity to use fossil fuels. So, by transferring a sum of money, which has been estimated to be at least $2 trillion a year between now and 2030, uh, we are told that uh, these countries, the receiving countries, will then be able to cope with all the climate-related disasters that they will be facing, as well as themselves transition to the use of so-called clean energy. So this is this is the big thing here. They're 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 kind of putting the uh, commitments aside to reduce their their greenhouse gas emissions by a certain amount, and now they want to get into the money game. And where's this money going to come from? Well, uh, if you plan to pay your taxes this year. Uh, then it's going to come out of your federal income tax if the Biden administration could get Congress to go along with this. And, uh, and what does that really mean? It means that middle-income earners are going to be disproportionately uh, deprived of a certain percentage of their hard-earned money so that that money can then go over and be handed out uh, to uh, governments uh, in poorer parts of the world, almost all of which are boundlessly corrupt. Uh, and we are then told that those governments who otherwise have neglected uh, the well-being of their own people for decades, that those self-same governments are then going to take measures to 
combat climate change and to move their countries to a green energy transition. Okay. So that's, that's the big deal about this conference. Money is up front. Well, the first clue you have that there's a, that money is a motivator is the doubling of the attendance. These are people who intend to get in line for that money. And as you mentioned, it's, it's so astute that you point out this is really putting the yoke onto the U.S. taxpayer um, to, to fit the bill, who will at the same time be told, sorry, there's no money for your Social Security you've paid into all of these years. It's a matter of time, and it's not a long matter of time before we run out of money for the mandates like Social Security, uh, Medicaid, whatever. And why are we running out of money? Well, we're going to run out a lot faster if we have this redistribution, uh, as you're describing it, from us to other people. And I think, uh, tell me if I didn't hear this correctly, but it sounds to me like the money will be redistributed from the taxpayers of the West, uh, Europe and, and the U.S., to who, number one, uh, the leadership or dictators of these third world countries, and two, the companies that are going to roll out all of that green solar panels, wind turbines, electric vehicles, batteries, right? It sounds to me like those are, those are, those are the two constituencies, uh, third world dictators and tyrants, corporate interests in the green sector. Is that an accurate? Uh, yeah, it certainly is accurate uh, because uh, this COP28 conference is crawling uh, not just with purveyors of green energy, uh, who plan to come up with new customers uh, at COP28, but also those who want to invest money. And they will, and, and these, the investment community is very well represented there because these are people who hope to make an awful lot of additional money uh, by investing in green energies, which themselves are backstopped by governments around the world. Uh, just think of how the Biden administration subsidizes wind and solar power, for example, and so that uh, you know, our own ruling class uh, will get even richer and more powerful than it already is by playing a very prominent role and coupling their climate virtue signaling uh, with lining their own pockets, which is exactly the real reason they're there. And as for the American taxpayer, uh, that taxpayer is going to be squeezed not only by this redistribution scheme they're uh, coming up with, but also our taxpayers in this country, ordinary hardworking families, are seeing their disposable incomes reduced because they're going to have to pay more uh, for unaffordable and unreliable uh, renewable energy. That is part of what the great transition, the energy transition that the administration and certain members of Congress are pushing is really all about. And so there's a there's a squeeze play here. And people of middle and lower incomes are going to be the ones who are caught in the middle of this. Uh, the high rollers uh, in Silicon Valley, Hollywood, Wall Street, elsewhere, they're going to do fine. They don't care. Uh, but what about the rest of us? Well, the truth of the matter is they don't really care about the rest of us. They care about themselves. What are they? 
really fascinating phenomena that, that, that we're looking at now that we haven't seen before. We've always had people at the top. You go back to the Gilded Age and the Roaring Twenties and the Gay Nineties and all of this, uh, where people with lots of money threw their money around. We have that today, except today our own ruling class is very politicized. And it is adopting and supporting policies which will destroy the American middle class, uh, policies which are regressive. And those policies are well on display at COP28, where a structure is being put in place uh, that will transfer money uh, from those who barely get by now to, as, as we pointed out earlier, a bunch of corrupt governments, while at the same time, these people's disposable incomes are being reduced by the energy policies that are being imposed on industrialized countries, be they the United States or Europe or what have you. And that is what this so much of this game is all about, along with the simple control factor, that they are telling us which vehicles we can buy, that they are telling us which household appliances they can buy. That choice is being taken out of our hands and put into the hands of uh, the all-powerful bureaucrats in Washington and elsewhere around the world who henceforth are going to be making those decisions for us. Okay, hold that thought. Uh, I'm going to talk in the next segment about how results are not required in exchange for everything that's being asked for from the taxpayer. They don't have to show results with any of it, just like with vaccines. doesn't matter if they don't work and you can still transmit the stuff and get it uh, and you might die. Not a problem. Okay, I'm going to cut to break. I will then continue the conversation with Dr. Bonner Cohen over at the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Jackie Daly Show, and I'm continuing a conversation with Dr. Bonner Cohen over at the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, also called CFACT. And we were describing what is happening on the ground right now in Dubai um, at the 28th Massive International Climate Conference, which concerningly has doubled its attendance from last year, meaning saying to me that there are more people lining up to make money off of uh, what they're calling the green transition that is not really happening. I'll describe that in a different segment. Uh, I can prove it. But nonetheless, uh, that dovetails with my point for this segment, which is that, you know, what's going to end up happening is the taxpayer in the U.S. and Europe will sacrifice. It's, it's already to the point that I don't see how they can go any further. With inflation, um, interest rates, the, the, the one thing that RFK Jr. says that strikes a chord with me is that about 50% of Americans could not put their hands on $1,000 right now if they really had to for a health care bill for safe brakes on their car for an electric bill whatever for food they can't put their hands on one thousand dollars yet the agenda here is to squeeze them even more this isn't going to go on much further i'm afraid because there's nothing else to take is how i see it but but what i'm focusing on here dr cohen is that 
even with all the promises, let's assume that we were all on board. Please take all our money. Please deplete our retirement accounts. Please make sure we don't have money for the kids' college fund. It's all fine. Take away the money I need to feed myself. I care so much about the green agenda and the energy transition. I believe in it. I don't care. Even if that were our attitude, and it's not, they don't have to provide any results in return for all of this money, right? What happens, Dr. Dr. Cohen, if none of it works? What if it doesn't do one thing to impact the planet and its temperature? I've had guest after guest after guest who have said this is what this is going to be the result. Um, what's the accountability for them? No results. Uh, there's no accountability whatsoever. They have been playing this game. This is COP28, means this game has been going on for 28 years. They have one of these confabs every year. And they have come up with all sorts of schemes to reduce atmospheric levels of greenhouse gases. First and foremost, carbon dioxide, CO2. What have been the results of all of this? Guess what? Despite everything they have done, atmospheric levels of CO2 have not fallen. They have, in fact, risen, and they are continuing to rise. Uh, so all of the sacrifices that they are trying to impose on the rest of us fail by their own standards. And their standards, by the way, are completely bogus. Why? Because at higher atmospheric levels of CR2 are not harmful. They are beneficial. They are absolutely essential for agriculture. If you're going to feed all the 8 billion people on the earth, you need plants. You need crops. Where do you get healthy plants and healthy crops? You get it from higher elevations of CO2. Policies adopted that would freeze much less lower levels of CO2 are going to put the world's food supply in danger. And who can afford that the very least? The high rollers in, in Dubai or the people in the poorer parts of the world in whose name all of this is being done. In, in reality, they are simply harming an awful lot of people, and they're putting people who already live on the edge, and they're going to shove them over the edge with this. This is, this is, this is all being done with, with a kind of a moral patina that we, we really need to do this because it's morally the right thing to do. Well, it's not. Uh, it's morally the wrong thing to do because the predictable and actually observable consequences of all of this are that for the vast majority of the people of the world, this agenda is harmful and will and will do even more harm. Whether you're a middle-class person living in Kansas City or someone living in sub-Sahara desert, you find your in the bullseye of what these elites are trying to impose on you. Yeah, I saw, in fact, an email came in from Alex Epstein, um, which says, you know, the climate conferences are immoral because they deprive billions of people of the energy they need to prosper. They should be replaced by energy freedom conferences. I'm going to see him tonight here in Dallas uh, at an event that he's holding. Um, but and, and of course, he has the book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, explaining exactly what you're talking about, that we're not going to feed billions of people uh, 
with, without uh, the proper energy policy and access. So, okay, you've actually got your people on the ground in Dubai. Um, I, I'm shocked that you were allowed to have credentials. How did you guys not get canceled? Uh, we've had them before. Then one year they yanked them yeah. because they didn't like something we said or did. We raised such a stink about it, got them so much bad publicity that they actually relented and gave us the credentials again. I can assure you that they don't welcome our presence there, not by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but they're going to have to put up with us. And it's good that they do because the truth is their biggest enemy. Uh, once the truth is told about the real climatological de- developments that are going on, quick summary, we're living in a remarkably stable climate. Now, we should be glad we're doing so. And any effort undertaken to reduce the level of carbon dioxide in the air is going to be immensely harmful. Getting that message out and showing the human consequences of this agenda, which are absolutely horrendous if the agenda is taken to its ultimate culmination point, uh, that is something that people need to know about uh, because it will affect them. It will affect them directly, and. Uh, we, we need to realize who these people are, what they're up to, uh, and, and what, as I said, the consequences of their policies will be. Well, there are going to be fortunes to be made, for sure, for people who show up and get in on this. Um, and I think there's a big advantage, too. I'd, I've only got two minutes left, but I think there's a huge advantage to the fossil fuel producers, such as the UAE, who's hosting this thing, uh, who are promoting the green agenda? I do entire shows on this, um, but can you explain why, uh, Doctor Cohen? Producers have done an absolutely terrible job in defending their industry. Uh, I've, I've, they say, well, we have reduced our greenhouse gas emissions by thus and such. I say, look. That's like saying, yes, I beat my wife five days a week, uh, but I'm pledging to reduce the beatings down to three, and by the year 2030, I will only beat her twice a week. If that is how you defend your industry, which is how the fossil fuel industry has gone about its business, you're going to lose the debate. Defend your industry. Show, and it's very easy to demonstrate how, the use of fossil fuels has been highly beneficial to humanity, particularly to the poorest people in society. This is the message that needs to be gotten out, and they need to challenge the so-called science uh, behind uh, the notion of human-induced global warming, because there is no such science at all. Sadly, uh, the corporate people lack the political savvy to, to do this, uh, they have played a get-along-to-go-along game, and uh, if they're not careful, uh, much of their industry is going to be dismantled, because that's ultimately the goal of the climate alarmist. And if you don't defend yourself and you don't defend yourself when your position is absolutely defensible, don't be surprised if you see your industry gradually sidelined.
Well, so I have a theory. It's too long for this segment because it's almost over. But essentially, I think the green movement advantages fossil fuel producers uh, that are petrostates, where there's no, you know, free speech or freedom to protest or whatever, and badly disadvantages fossil fuel producers in free countries where there is free speech, protest, and activism. So I think it harms U.S. producers and helps the UAE, among many others. But I'll go into that in a different segment. Um, I've been talking to Dr. Bonner Cohen, and he is with the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, or CFACT. You can find them online very easily at cfact.org. Dr. Cohen, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you very much for having me. You're listening to The Jackie Daly Show. You're listening to The Jackie Daly Show. Listen, forgive me in advance. I'm sorry for doing this, but I have to expose you to the opining of your climate envoy, John Kerry. Now, David Blackman, who's been a frequent guest, reminds us, you know, You know what the word envoy means or czar in this country? It means unelected and unconfirmed. I'll remind you, this is the guy who we did not vote for back in 2004. Remember that? Isn't it crazy how these people get consolation prizes for losing? Like they they fall out of the ninth story window and end up way up on the roof. And now he's speaking for us at a UN International Climate Conference. Let's roll the tape. The scientists are saying this moment is alarming. Is it? It's without precedent. Is it? It is terrifying, some have said. Who? And others will say we are in uncharted territory. Liars. So that is why it is critical that we include all greenhouse gases in the next round of the nationally determined contributions or NDCs that will be finalized by 2025. And I'm really heartened, we're all encouraged, that China, President Xi and Xi Jinping's work and his team committed to do this in sunny lands. The scientists... Did you hear that? He wants all greenhouse gases included now in our commitments. Here's a trivia question for John Kerry. What is the most common and, and most abounding Greenhouse gas on Earth. The answer is water vapor. Water vapor. Are we going to regulate the amount of sun that's permitted to enter the, the atmosphere and, and its rays that, that evaporate water? Is that within our control? Remember, President Obama gave a speech about stopping the rise of the seas, so he certainly thought it was possible for us to exert this kind of control over creation it's a little out there you kind of get the impression maybe he's never thought about this before i mean do you know what really happens in these situations there's like seven layers of staff review of every remark that john Kerry probably says and i'm not just being partisan okay same was true for like when nikki haley was getting all her praise for her speeches at the u.n Look, people don't write these speeches themselves. They're not speaking off the cuff. These are actually things that were carefully thought out by someone and then reviewed and then reviewed and then edited and reviewed and shoved in front of them 
and they deliver the remarks. They're supposed to be representing the U.S., whether they are or not, and not themselves. So, you know, when he's, when he's not busy trying to destroy the U.S. electric grid by making some commitment that we're going to shut down all of our coal plants within seven years, which, you know, that's 20% of our electricity. 20%. Do you enjoy rolling blackouts? Would you enjoy energy rationing? I mean, Americans have had it so good. We flip that switch on the wall, we expect the lights to come on. It would be shocking to an American to not have... There There are countries around the world who have never had that degree of luxury, ever. And they're not going to. Uh, if the UN Climate Conference can successfully restrict nuclear and green... Or excuse me, and, and, and fossil fuels to these developing nations... They live in extreme poverty, and there they will stay for as long as this is the policy. And so the talk is cloaked in trying to, you know, extract money from the U.S. taxpayer, who, you know, the average person can't even put their hands on $1,000 right now. Um, And we're going to give it to these poorer countries to afford to pay these mega corporations um, and hostile countries to supply them in solar panels and wind farms. Batteries and electric vehicles. Okay. Um, But before I leave John Kerry, I I just can't miss the opportunity. Um, There is a friend of mine named Rupert Darwall over at Real Clear Energy. Used to be uh, the financial advisor to the, what is the, what's the position? The, The chancellor of the exchequer in the UK. Super smart guy. I really enjoy him. Um, he refers to John Kerry as Vladimir Putin's useful climate idiot. And he, he sent his, this article to me, and in the body of the, before you get to the article, he wrote, I don't normally do personal, but I make an exception for John Kerry. And he truly does deserve it. I mean, he's uncommonly uh, destructive to this country and others. Um, so Darwall, again, who advised at the top level of the UK government, said that when Putin invaded Ukraine, this marks, this is his quote, marks the end of the West's era of illusions. If only he were right about that. He says it was an era in which Western elites obsessed about solving climate change because the climate crisis was far more dangerous than issues of war and peace. They even convinced themselves that climate change causes war. Okay, Darwall thought that this war would open people's eyes. So did I, actually, at the time. Uh, but we see, in fact, attendance has doubled at the International Climate Change Conference. You know why? They're running out of time. They're about to run out of money. The problem with socialism is you run out of other people's money. I'm telling you right now, we're about to run out of Social Security and Medicaid money. So how big will the appetite be in the United States to raise our taxes even more? to pay for the $2 trillion a year, wanted to pay reparations, supposedly, for the damage that Western countries have done with fossil fuels. Um, okay, what was the reaction uh, by John Kerry to Russia's invasion of Ukraine? Well, he's the climate envoy. Again, envoy means unelected and unconfirmed. 
serial loser, likely, uh, Carrie expressed concern about the amount of greenhouse gas being emitted from the war in Ukraine. Importantly, Carrie said, you're going to lose people's focus, unquote, as if the first invasion of a sovereign European country since the Second World War is somehow nothing more than an annoying distraction to people like him and the rest of us. And he expressed hope. He always leaves you with hope that maybe Vladimir Putin would realize that Russia's land is thawing and that the people of Russia are at risk. Yeah, the man who makes his revenues off of oil and gas and derives entirely his geopolitical power from oil, gas, and nukes is going to somehow suddenly be concerned about the tundra. Okay, here is um, Russia's Russia's actual record. Again, I I owe this research to Rupert Darwall. Um, Russia is actually very smart about this. Here is what... Here is what... um, Here is what Russia has committed to do in terms of climate change. I know we all stay on top of this. Um, Exhibit A for how a petrostate parlays this to their advantage. Here is is Putin's jujitsu. No, it's taekwondo. Um, Here's the plan. Russia says um, in their 2020 report to the Paris Climate or I guess their their nationally determined contribution document uh, submitted under the Paris Climate Agreement. They say, we will limit our 2030 emissions to, quote, no more than 70% of 1990 levels, unquote. All right, you don't have to be a history buff to answer this one. When did the Soviet Union collapse? Do you remember? If you're under 45, you, you might not. Okay, 1991 was the big year, right? When, when everything came crumbling down. So here's the point. That was a highly inefficient, heavily polluting, centrally planned Soviet economy. Fully functional still in 1990. Therefore, the 70% pledge that they're making actually allows them to increase their emissions by 34% under this pledge. And that's before, according to Rupert Darwell, taking account of any changes in forestry and land use that would let Russia claim credit for negative emissions. But you see, the genius of John Kerry uh, let them get by with that. And, And I'll conclude with this. Kerry was in Indonesia talking to grade school students. And he said, look, Science and physics is tough, but this isn't tough. Let me give you an example. When an apple separates from a tree, it falls to the ground. He said, contrast Kerry's simplistic analogy with this statement from the International Panel on Climate Change. Third assessment report, quote, the climate system is a coupled nonlinear chaotic system and therefore the long-term prediction of future climate states is not possible. Unquote. All right. I am out of time. And I, I'm done talking about John Kerry. Please don't turn that dial. I promise I'll stop it. You're listening to The Jackie Daly Show. <laughs> 